When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Scoutcast. My name is Joe. My name is Seb. My name is David. Welcome everyone. Um, welcome back David, who we conversed with um, earlier today on the CAPCB. And welcome back Seb, who finally has an internet connection, um, thanks to the wonderful broadband companies that can't quite get it right when people move. Um, Seb, what's coming up in the show? Well, we have another super exciting, no, we don't. We have a set of super unexciting fixtures. Mm. Hardly hardly any to fill us out, but that does mean we get to take a uh, look at each one of them in painstaking detail, which will be great fun. Of course, we'll always uh, get to the questions as we do that. We'll look back at game week 28. We'll plan our transfers and captains ourselves going forward. Look at the four fixtures coming up for each team. And we have a differential, which I believe is my turn this time. Mm. And I'll be honest, I have no idea what I'm going to do. So in about an hour's time, I'll have thought of something. Rightio. Okay, well, let's have a quick look at our game weeks. Um, All a bit of a much of a muchness. So, you know, none of us did really badly. None of us did really exceptionally well. We all did sort of okay. Um, But David, you did the best of okay. Um, So you got 57. And for the benefit of those listening on the podcast... Uh, you've got Ariola, um, Shaw, Target, Cancelo, Maguire, so a great defence. Salah, Fernandez, you captained Bale, Bamford, Calvert Lewin, um, Watkins, um, fifty-seven, and Dallas, Dallas on the bench. Um, but okay, I mean, in, given this week, um, it's a, a green arrow, I presume. Yeah, it was. It was a nice. It was. It was a healthy one. It wasn't a gluttonous one, which would have been nice. It was a healthy, digestible, something like mm. 30k rank rise to 380k. So I'm just about staying in touch with my games in hand, which is my chips that I've still yet to use. So I'm, I can't be unhappy, but I can't be happy just yet. Um, the game week, um, yeah, it was it, it it had its ups and downs, like most game weeks do these days. Um, the the Villa game on Friday night was so frustrating as someone who owned both Target and Watkins to see you know Watkins head home a Target cross, and of course then being a touch of the defender to then lose the assist and then of course the goal as well so I not only lost the point for the assist the points of the assist lost a point from a goal down to the assist for Watkins and then to lose a clean sheet as well it was such a frustrating start to the game week but there were you know heights to come and ironically enough even though Gundogan hasn't played and I think I'm pretty sure I've missed all of his hauls this year in terms of not captained him him not playing unlocked um, a, a big differential for me from the bench which was Maguire um, it was quite nice that mm-hmm. even though Dallas sort of let me down, so to speak, by keeping a clean sheet when I benched him. Um, he wasn't the highest score play, scoring player on my bench. It was Maguire. So, um, yeah, Man United's defence has um, really come through for me recently. I, yeah. I decided to double up on them, not really for long, for the long term. I had, I've had i had Maguire for a while because I kind of felt like there was enough there to warrant some investment and he was the surest way in until I discovered that Shaw was also pretty sure of starts too. And I pulled Shaw in, I think, for one of the double game weeks where uh, my bench boosted. And it was just a case if he was going, they were going to stick mm-hmm. around until I wildcarded. And of course, yeah, they've come through in the clutch now. And 
I think it's four clean sheets in a row. So yeah, thank you, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I think it's the first time they've kept four in a, four in a row since uh, twenty seventeen or sometime when Mourinho was in charge. So I think you know, fair yeah. play to the guy for knowing how to shut up shop. Well, g- given he shuts up shop in the bigger games as well. Um, Sure, it's certainly on my radar for the wild card. I'm sure he's going to be on many other people's, but that's that's for another another episode, a future one. Um, and and you've got the right policy having city players, as I have, and everyone everyone's got like two or three city players, and you know that they they may play, they might not play. <laughs> this week it was a turn of defenders and and all the attackers uh, that we owned, the well owned ones, were bench. But yeah, it pays to have a really good bench there. Um, I I personally got around that by going for Edison. Um, but I don't think it's, you know, I probably missed out by getting players off my bench if I'd had, say, for example, Stones or I've got Stones. I mean, Cancelo or, you know, more more that kind of City outfield players. Um, but yeah, here's me. I'm, I'm just behind with 50 there. Um, Edison, there he is. Uh, Consa. John Stones was the, my hero of this week. 14 points. Dallas, who I actually played. And as you can see from my bench with Kufau, um, Mitchell, um, and as it transpired, Gundogan. It was Bamford. I've got a pretty weak bench, so I didn't play Dallas out of because I'm an amazing um, clairvoyant. I've just played him because he's better than Mitchell, who was injured. Um, Son, Rafina, Salah, who I kept and captained. I was going to get rid of him. I thought I'd give him one last go. Fernandez, um, Bamford, Kane, Calvert-Lewin. It's actually a green arrow, so I'll take that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can't. I'm, I'm neither happy nor unhappy with that. I'm just sort of. I'm that little emoji with the little straight line smile of just nothing. <laughs> um, so yeah, Seb, let's have a look at your your side. Uh, Forty nine. <laughs> so similar type of score. Um, you got Martinez, Cancelo, Pereira, Luca Dean, Shaw, Rafinha, Bale, Son, Bamford. All the all the ones and a, and, a, and a three there from Rafinha, Watkins, and Calvert Lewin who was your captain, or rather Kevin De Bruyne who was on your bench. Was the captain? Is that that's well, he right? Didn't, he didn't. He didn't start on the bench. Yeah, he, uh, he started with the armband in the team, yes. and as we know, he didn't play. Mm. Uh, so I think I had Bamford and who did I have come in? Bamford and someone else. Yeah, um, I've forgotten. Got, it, was, uh, it, was, it feels like so long ago. Yeah, now. Ba- Bamford and Calvert Lewin, I guess, would have would have come in for De Bruyne. Cal- 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 Calvert Lewin started. Oh, one. Uh, one of the defenders. Mm-hmm. But um, realist- realistically, I mean, it's kind of much of a muchness. I think. You two have probably covered most of the yeah. bases there. We all had similar weeks, unless you did something mm. clever like bring in Vardy and captain him. Yeah. We had some big players not mm. play. Luke Ayling sat last on my bench, which is unfortunate, but I was happy to line it up like that. Mm. And yeah, Kevin De Bruyne was a decent captain bump for me. I had him captain last week as well, which did me fine. So I'll take that over the two weeks. And Calvert Learn stepped in nicely in the uh, in his absence. Well, you mentioned there about Vardy. Good good segue into the rough with the smooth. So just a couple of names. Um, chess champ and FPL dabbler um, Magnus Carlsen. He got Jamie Vardy in and captained him and got 79 points. So that's the kind of week where you want to have a good week when everyone else had, had a fair to middling or bad week. Um, so Pandin uh, Bruyne, uh, also worth mentioning. He's got top of our fantasy football scout mini league. He's up to fourth in the world. Um, 11 points from the top. Ooh. Uh, meanwhile, Nathan Jobling is top of our community members league. He's up to ninth overall. So 
Well done both. Um, I could have just mentioned the next uh, champion of FPL there. You never know. Um, so what we're going to do in this episode, um, we're going to tackle a blank game week 29, just four fixtures. And we, because there's just four, we've got the luxury rather than going on and on and on for, for hours and hours. We can actually hopefully cover in the regulation hour, hour and a half of looking at the matches one by one. Um, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to put up some stats as we as we chat about them. Um, and these were all for the last four matches. And I've got some um, attacking players that we could target for, for each of the sides in that match. And also some defenders. And I've sorted the defenders ones by attacking defenders as well. So um, we're looking for defenders, not just clean sheets. We want them to assist, we want them to score, that kind of thing. Um, so um, let's have a look at the fixtures. Here they are again to remind everyone. Fulham against Leeds, Brighton against Newcastle, West Ham against Arsenal and Aston Villa against Spurs. What a motley crew of rubbish that is. <laughs> so nevertheless, we're going to look at each one. OK, so our resident Leeds fan, Seb, I think you should kick off things with Fulham against Leeds. And I'll put some attacking stats up while you chat. All I'm good for, really, isn't it? <laughs> um, so I think worth looking at Leeds first, because we all probably have mm. three of their players, two of their players, and maybe all are missing Bamford as well now. So before we, before we rush to bring in Rodrigo, I guess, who's the most logical there, uh, substitute there if you want to just go straight ahead who I'm not sure will start I think Roberts will start up front if Bamford is out but I want to look at how the leads have changed over the last few matches compared to the rest of the season specifically in our style so we know early on we scored a lot of goals created a lot of chances and we conceded a lot as well captaining a player against Leeds was a probably pretty solid tactic mm. and also you know you maybe didn't expect to keep a clean sheet in fact in the first half of the season so far gone so up to game week 16 I believe we only had less than one expected goal for each match twice, which was the first game of the season against Liverpool, where we had 0.6, and we know that game was crazy. And then Crystal Palace as well, where we had a 0.8, I believe. And that game was a bit of an anomaly. Mm. We saw that Bamford goal where he was ruled offside for you know his sleeve. So realistically, we did create more than that. Just one of them didn't really yeah. count, but that wasn't really our fault. Also, in all of those matches, we never had less than 50% possession. We only had 50% a couple of times, including against Liverpool. But most of the time, we would dominate possession. Since then, however, against West Brom in game week 16, I think it was, we had 0.9 XG against West Brom. We then had 0.3 against Brighton, 0.9 against Everton, 0.7 against Arsenal, 0.7 against Villa, and 0.4 against Chelsea in the most recent match. Mm. We also have had less than 50% possession twice, 46 against Southampton and a 38 against Chelsea, which is really not very Leeds-like. And I think what this points towards, which is something we've seen when we've been watching Leeds, is a slight shift in the style, maybe mostly forced to personnel. You know, we've had defensive changes. We know we've got Dallas covering both left back and midfield. Realistically, we, we need a new midfielder. I think we've possibly gone for sitting in a little bit more, looking to counter. We especially did that against Southampton. That was a tactic against Chelsea. I think rather than necessarily wanting to sit in, we were forced to sit in by then. They were very high up and very progressive. And I think maybe that points to expecting slightly fewer goals from us going forward. I remember around about Christmas taking Bamford out myself and mm. thinking, oh, I've nailed a turn. I think I was a bit early on that, but we're possibly seeing that now. Bamford himself has massively dropped off from the XG charts. He was... I think he's second or third for the season overall, mm. but in the last six, he's down at 12th or something. And Leeds ourselves, we have been in the top three all season for XGC. And in the last six, we are 12th. Mm. So if you're looking at Bamford to bring this back full circle, I wonder if you do 
go to a Rodrigo, who I don't think will play. I think Roberts will start up front because he provides a better pressing option with Dallas and probably a click in the midfield. So maybe you don't replace Bamford. We know Fulham's defence is all right as well. Maybe even going forward, you're looking at Lee's defenders over Lee's attackers, which maybe brings us on to talking about Fulham and if they can damage us. But I've spoken for long enough, so I'll, I'll throw over to you guys. What do you reckon about Fulham against us? David, you want to take this? <laughs> yeah, well, the, the thing with Fulham is um, they, they're very good at keeping games tight. Um, so I think um, everything you mentioned there about the way that Leeds' style has, has kind of shifted uh, largely in a similar direction to what Fulham have been like for some time. Um, obviously, achieving that through different ways. But I do actually think this game is going to be not particularly free scoring. I mean, we were talking on the, the captaincy video this morning about everyone's looking to the Spurs game for goals. If you're looking somewhere else for a captaincy six months ago you probably would have chosen this game for goals galore because both teams um were giving up chances left right and center but also causing damage too and of course they were seven goals between them in game week uh two i think it was um but yeah they completely completely changed styles i mean when we look at how fulham uh have defended uh recently it's been really impressive um it's something that we have you know we've been we've been tracking for some time and it's a bit annoying because they've just come off the back of a game against man city where they did sort of um, capitulate in a way that was very unlike them of late. So it means that if we do look at the last six for XGC, for example, um, then they're not as basically not as good as they were before. But I mean, that tends to happen when people have just played Man City. So um, in the in the last six, their XGC is 6.68, uh, which is the uh, eighth best in the league. Uh, when you look at it over the five matches before the one they've just played, um, then they are the sixth best um, because you know, it's no offence to Leeds to suggest that Man City will usually post higher XG scores than, than Leeds can. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, to be honest, um, I, I I mean, so I've got Ariola, for example, and I bought him two or three weeks ago with this fixture in mind, thinking that at the time, Leeds will have loads of shots against him and that will give him the opportunity to get loads of saves. But now I'm kind of looking at Ariola and thinking he could just be a six-pointer, which is yeah. great. In a game week like this, I'm happy to rely on that, um, especially when a lot of people are going to have Martinez who... You know, there's a lot of upside to him. Having someone who I feel like can largely match him is, is quite nice. In terms of, um, you know, I wouldn't necessarily sign a Fulham defender for this, but if people are on free hits and you've got cheap um, sort of spots available, then someone like Ariola or um, Tosin or Anderson um, are not the worst to consider, especially when you think about Leeds's. Mo they have a lot of problems defending from set pieces, for example. So I think there's Fulham defenders worth um, looking at here as well. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of Fulham's own attack, though, I mean, do I really trust Fulham that much to believe that they can break down the Leeds defence that is tightening up? Not particularly, because Fulham, especially at home, they just don't score goals at all. They're, they're, I'm pretty sure that, yeah, they're, they're bottom of the league for goals scored at home this year with just eight in 15 matches. So, you know, and the thing is, the way that the Fulham are positioned right now, I think they take a nil-nil here because mm -hmm. they just keep chipping away at that total whilst Newcastle and sort of Brighton kind of slip a little bit closer and if they can just keep that ship steady especially after the 3-0 against Man City I don't think they'd be unhappy with that so bringing that back round to what I said at the top I, I wouldn't be shocked if this was a 0-0 or a 1-0 to someone or a 1-1 to me it's just a really uninspiring match unfortunately um, and, I think I think it's worth yeah. noting as well it's not just on Leeds you know opponents are I hate saying that they've worked us out but there is something to be said for studying a team and actually playing a team and experiencing it. People have played us now. They know what's coming. And look, we still do have half a championship squad. 
Bielsa's style is brilliant, but it does rely on, like any style, it relies on good individuals. If some of our individual bit are being outmatched now, I think you'll maybe seeing teams being able to put up a better defence and a better attack against us. So I think it comes into as much Fulham as Leeds. And like you say, if they're happy to sit back, try and absorb or not really, not really give us the space to work, I think we've found it harder to create space ourselves. Both our midfield isn't quite mm. clicking how it used to, no pun intended there with click. But um, we've, you know, Dallas, Roberts in there. We're really, really missing that actual, that probably someone who can progress it from one box to the other, really do the work there. Dallas is kind of having to pick that up. And we know he's a winger, come fullback, come centre-back, come striker, whatever he is, but he isn't really a central midfielder. We're also looking for Rafina an awful lot to solve our problems. I think, Joe, you've got some stats up yes, there. Yes. We see him top of the ex- XGI. Yeah, but... expected goal involvement, last four. Um, absolute, this, is, this is just purely Leeds and Fulham, absolutely top, Rafina. Expected to be involved in two. Uh, he's had a, a big chance, scored a goal, created 11 chances. And, and that realistic is what you're going to be expecting there. You want to, you want him to be the assist guy, really, because that's what his stats suggest. But seven shots in the box, four of them on target. Yeah, I mean, Rafina's just, you know, hands down the top asset amongst Leeds attackers to target. And when, when we looked at this recently, think I think Banford was up there with him, wasn't he? But maybe yeah. Banford has dropped off. When you watch us play, Rafina really is kind of both the end guy we're looking for, yeah. but we often look for him in the build-up as well. You know, when you have a player that's so much better than the rest of your players, I think you maybe can fall into that trap of hoping he'll do it all for you. And I think we're really seeing that with Leeds. And someone like Fulham, like you mentioned, David, who are quite, they're quite patient in the way they play. They're not going to really throw players at us like other teams would, you know, take us on one-on-one, and which is how to beat so, us. What is this thing about Leeds and London? Um, because um, I think I think um, it was um, Tony, who's a Leeds fan, um, who, who I know on Twitter, was saying that they haven't won in London since December 2017. Yeah, I and mean, so that means they played the likes of Leighton Orient and Brentford. <laughs> oh, don't don't even! I remember going to not London, but Cardiff. Cardiff was a horrible one for us too. So, what, what is it about London? Why can't why can't they win in London? Because that's that's mad, isn't it? That's, I that, mean, really. Realistically, I don't have a proper answer for you. I mean, what what is it about London, right? There isn't there isn't a Tall tangible buildings. thing we can grip to exactly. We can't grip to something in general. Culture, maybe <laughs> Leeds don't like that. <laughs> yeah, not nearly enough Yorkshire puddings for our Brazilian <laughs> winger and and a guy who spent some time in the MLS and our Spanish centre back. Um, but realistically, I mean, there is nothing tangible we can hold on to there with it being okay. London. There are some good clubs in London. I honestly don't know. Is it one of those things that is only true because it continues to be true? Or is it now in our heads? Do the players know when we go to London, it's not good and therefore we don't play well? If it is in their heads and it's in Bielsa's head as well, then that is an issue because they're going down there thinking, oh, God, it's London. (laughs) Nil-nil, let's go for it. Um, But yeah, so we've got those figures up there. It's Rafinha or Bus. So Vishnev asked the questions, are midfielders such as Rafinha better than premiums such as Aubameyang or Bale? Well, we'll find out uh, in a bit. But is Rafinha a good option to have? Yes. If you think Leeds are going to get a goal or two or three, uh, Rafinha is very likely to be assisting them and perhaps even scoring them. Um, If you don't own Bamford, I wouldn't personally get him in. Um, Let's have a look at defenders, though. I mean, oh yeah, but in terms of Fulham attackers, Madger is better than Bamford as an option, according to the expected goal involvement. So if you are a risk taker, uh, Madger uh, with Fulham is good. It always going to be depends on when you're going to use your wild card though, because Fulham miss a fixture game week 33, I believe. So if you've got a wild card still to play and you plan to use it before then, 
that's fine. But if you've already used your wild cards, bear in mind you've got yet another player that you um, will have to bench. Um, one, one thing at, I also, would say on Maja, his, uh, his XG there possibly hmm. is uh, pushed up quite a bit by the fact that his two goals were basically tap-ins, weren't they? So yeah. he's going to have two very high XG chances there. Yeah. And maybe a bunch of lower ones, so we want to maybe just consider that as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, basically, I I just wouldn't be targeting. I mean, I've got Rafina, Dallas, and Bamford. I'm not targeting any more from Fulham. If Bamford's out, I'm not going to be going down the Rodrigo. I mean, I'm not going down that tunnel <laughs> of uh, of another Leeds attacker. Looking at defenders, there we can see why Dallas is a good option. We think there could be a clean sheet in this. He's created four chances. Last four, this is three goal attempts. Two of those in box, and he scored as well. We know he can get some mega returns and a double-digit man. And he's he's gone up to 5.1 now, so it means his ownership is going up. Um, yeah, he's well worth well worth owning. And poss- definitely worth getting in if you're on a free hit. Um, but if not, if you're just looking for a defender, you can get um, FPL returns at both ends of the pitch. I think Dallas is the man. I mean... He's so alone. That's the thing. It's like, yeah. I think sometimes when you get these blank game weeks, the decisions you have to make sometimes... Mm you almost have to cover yourself. And, um, you know, Dallas is in um, 23% of teams worldwide, which means he's probably in considerably more of a percentage of that from, you know, the likes of us, you know, the type of people that are, you know, paying attention every week and, um, you know, thinking about this probably more than we should. Um, he, Dallas is easily one of those. Um, Bamford obviously is is in 49% of teams, so you could yeah. possibly argue the, the same case for him. But mm. um, as you mentioned, the uh, as we all seem to be in agreement on, the chance of a clean sheet, for Leeds here seems possibly more likely than that. You know, massive Bamford all of course is injured as well. But uh, yeah, if, if someone doesn't have Dallas right now, I think he's got to be someone you 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 have to be covering off because if he does get one of those big calls, which he's definitely capable of, it's going to seriously burn you if you don't have him. Just on Bamford, a couple of questions on his injury. As far as I know, just a dead leg or similar. It's an impact thing. We don't know if he's fit yet. We've got Bielsa's press conference tomorrow, which is Wednesday, I believe. So listening for that, I'm sure Scout will update you on it. At the moment, if he's fit, he'll definitely play. We just don't know if he is fit. If he's not fit, I would expect it to be Roberts because Rodrigo isn't 100% fit and honestly probably doesn't suit our system as well as Roberts does at the moment. Okay. Um, Just before we move on to the next fixture, I just wanted to add add a look at my assist imminence table, um, which is a minimum of seven chances created, but no more than one assist in the last four game weeks. Um, And I've also, you know, put some expected data within that as well. Just three names out of the teams that are playing um, and two of them in this fixture, Rafina and Lookman. So if we think there's going to be some assists in this game, um, um, then it's those two, Lookman, Rafina. They'll be the ones frustrating them. um, There is a third name there, but we'll we'll come to to that in a bit later because it's another fixture. Let's move on. My team, the XG champions. (laughs) Brighton against Newcastle. So, XG champions Brighton take on their relegation rivals. This is a classic six-pointer. Brighton always managed to concede, though. And um, present form definitely looked the favourites. Newcastle, meanwhile, may finally throw the kitchen sink at the team. Andy Carroll, perhaps even, he might get more than a couple of minutes this time round. But we've been looking, I was looking on Twitter today, pictures of training, and there's Callum Wilson. It um, doesn't look like he's training with everyone else. He looks like he's running with a, some kind of fitness coach um, or a very elderly player. <laughs> and um, that's that's him at the moment. So he's also talking about that he's got a game in mind. He's targeting his return. I can't believe it's this one because he doesn't look like he's 
playing with the others, but keep an eye on training pictures. I mean, if he's not even doing any contact training yet, then it's clearly after the international break, I'd imagine. But a fit Callum Wilson against XG champions Brighton, you can't stop conceding. Um, I'm interested. Um, the had some community questions. Let's be real. Is it time for Brighton attackers and Toby Lerone? Are differentials like Trossard or Gross worth bringing a hit in? So I've got some uh, figures up on the screen. Expected goal involvement again, last four. And it's Gross who is in fact the one who's most likely to have been involved in goals. Um, his uh, expected goal involvement is two. He's had a couple of big chances and his goals is zero so far. Ten chances he's created. Um, he's playing a slight... I was going to say he's had a deep, deeper role. He's playing right wing back last time. Basically, he's relied on and he could play anywhere. I have no idea where Pascal Gross is going to pop up in in Potter rotation. But it seems likely he will probably have a sort of number six midfield role. And then he's got penalties and he's highly creative. So Gross there. Trossard's your sexy pick. <laughs> he's your sexy Gross. Um, he's the one who's like, oh, isn't he? He's got lots of flair and he's playing up front. But yeah, he's... Expected goal involvement is much a bit lower than Gross's, uh, 1.74. Still had a couple of big chances, and of course scored um, last. I was, I was. He appeared in the goals imminent table last time out. Uh, I was mocked a bit on Twitter, saying, "No way will Trossard score." He probably then scored. So that is the power of the goals imminent table. But also never Trossard. mock the goals imminent. Never table. mock. It. I mean, it's never like hallowed. Never Man, mock it because the most stupid player on it will pop up with a goal. But Trossard, you know, he's always he's always knocking around for goals. Only a couple of. Created a couple of chances, four shots in the box, um, five on target. So he's been shooting from range as well. And then you're looking at Welbeck. And then, I mean, I've done these in order as well. So moving down into Newcastle, Jacob Murphy, 4.9. Joe Ellington, not Joe Linton, as everyone still keeps calling him. Joe Ellington um, is uh, second there. He's had one big chance, whoop-de-doo. And Dwight Gale is your Hail Mary pick, one big chance. Expected to be involved in barely a goal. And he's in fact being involved. Uh, he hasn't scored at all in the last four. So it's I, I don't think it's that great, this fixture. But I think if you're going to go for a player in attack and you think there's going to be goals, Gross or Trossard would be your ones for this one. But I don't know what either of you think. Um, uh, Seb, what do you reckon? <laughs> but I, 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 I don't mind if you um, slag them off a bit. <laughs> I'm fully aware of what Brighton are about. <laughs> I mean, in, t- in terms of attack, I-, I think you've covered it nicely. The only thing I would highlight, and I'm going to keep doing this until it's no longer relevant and I get booed off, is the XG of Brighton. We know, we know it's been mm. great all season. If anything, if, you know, XG and XGC was won. how the t- table the works. League of XG. Oh, you, you, would, you would literally be in Europe. <laughs> but, so I think, so, so, so we know, you know, player quality is important as well. And there's a bit of luck in their variance. We know that clearly you're not quite up to the XG. So instead, if we just look at how the XG has changed though over the last few matches. So for the season, Brighton, I believe for XG are seventh. I think I make that. And for XGC, they are third. Uh, in the last six, they are third for XG and second for XGC. So even if you don't think they're going to finish third or second in the Premier League, they are a few places higher than they were. So there's some positive movement there, even if they're still going to horribly underperform, get relegated and retire an entire model of statistical uh, yeah. 
As um, Steve Elbows in the chat, live chat has just pointed out, XG for Brighton stands for expected groans, which is true. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, thanks for that, Steve. Um, but, yeah, he's right. Um, David, what do you reckon this fixture? I mean, it's, yeah, it's a classic relegation scrap. I mean, I've got to be honest, it's a classic FPL blank game week <laughs> draw, to be perfectly honest, because yeah. especially when we've got free hits and we can definitely actually think about the likes of uh, Pascal Gross. Um, I, I I agree. I think there can be goals here, but whether or not I would trust it to come from Trossard, Gross and Welbeck, I would be, I'd, I'd sooner actually trust, I think, possibly some of your defenders mm. um, in Lewis Dunk who um, doesn't necessarily have, in the last sort of four or five matches, he's not exactly been, you know, popping shots off in the box, you know, like Roberto Carlos. But um, it's just the way that Newcastle um, defend is that actually in the last four matches, they are second worst for headed attempts conceded. Um, so Dunk is going, I mean, Dunk actually, I think in the time Dunk's been in the Premier League, the only defenders that have scored more goals than him are Alonso and Van Dijk. So he does have actually extensive pedigree that goes back mm. a few years. So if you're looking for the best time to own Dunk, then when they're playing a team that struggles to defend headed chances, it's a good time to go for it. Um, so I think, you know, he, he's a decent shout, especially when we, we're building on this idea that if there's going to be a clean sheet at any point for Brighton, you know, you'd like to think that Newcastle would be one of the better opportunities for it because they are missing some Maximan Almiron. And just to kind of go back to the Callum Wilson thing, I'm pretty sure the most recent quote from Steve Bruce, which is about four or five days old, is that he is expecting him to not be fit till after the international break. So that scenario seems like a really good time to own any Brighton defenders that have an upside. Um, I think um, Veltman is worth thinking about too. Um, but there's possibly, as you've mentioned on the captaincy video this morning, mm. Joe, slightly more caveat with him. He has been playing in the right wing-back role, which was really, really helpful for him um, because it was enabling him to post some you know, really nice stats. Um, you know, he created six chances in the last four, um, sorry, three chances in the last four, six shots in the box, two big chances. And for defenders to get two big chances is not to be, you know, sniffed at. Two shots on target. Um, now, that has been damaged slightly. So in the four matches mm. before game week 28, he was actually top amongst all defenders for expected goal involvement was Veltman. Um, of course, Lamptey not being around means that he's nailed on and no injuries to other people meant he could be in that right wing-back role and get into dangerous areas. Now, the reason why that's slightly been dented in the most recent match is losing Dan Byrne meant that he had to spend some time in the back three because they were looking at, was it Zakiri and Gross were the wing-backs? Zakiri, um, as we mentioned on the Capsi video, he's a, if you search down on the transfer page in Brighton, I believe he's a five million. He's listed as a five million um, forward. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so it, it just shows for Brian they can pop up anywhere. So he's a right wing back. He's actually a striker. So you know. <laughs> yeah. So with Veltman, it's sort of. I mean, to be honest, I, I mean, you might disagree with me here, Joe, but I, I imagine if Burn is fine, if we were to hear that Burn was fine, then we could possibly be slightly more um, yeah. confident that Veltman would play in a wing back role or at the very least a right back role you know, rather than a centre-back role, which would allow him to um, deliver on some of these statistics. But it's nice to have these options. I think um, whether or not you go for Veltman or Dunk, it's possibly a, a much of a muchness. I think they could easily... I think they've got... Each of them has an equal chance of getting a decent haul. We've got the stats up on the same defence. Yeah. We've got, and they've got decent attacking yeah. stats too, so... Yeah, I was going to... We've got those stats up on the screen there, which shows that um, on their day, if the XG becomes normal, G... <laughs> Um, Burn has created four chances, Veltman three, uh, and Dunk has created two. But it's the uh, goal attempts. So Veltman's had eight goal attempts, which is which is huge for a four point three defender. And then Dunk has had four. But as you as you as you correctly said there, David, if if Burn is out, 
there is likely to be some rejigging and you might see Veltman um, alongside Dunk in defence, um, which is where you do not want him if you want to get an attacking defender. But they are what they are. That makes Dunk better. Feldman's a 4.3 defender, Burns a 4.2 defender, Dunk is a guy who scores own goals, goals, you know, you never know what you're going to get, you know, red card, whatever. Um, And they they are what they are. Um, If you want a Newcastle defender, (laughs) you know, uh, Fernandes might be your best shot. He's created two chances, he's 4.7. and is well, that... no, let's not forget Lascelles. And Lascelles right? because... is 4.2. I mean, this is, I mean, this is barrel stuff. <laughs> Scraping oh, away. Lascelles <laughs> has scored all of Newcastle's mm. goals in their last three matches, which is a stat that obviously I'm sort of like, you know, slanting a little bit, but I just, I love the way you can say it because he's got two goals in his mm. last three, as have Newcastle. Um, and his last three matches, 10 points against Wolves because he picked up two bonus. Um, and I think he maybe came off injured before they lost the clean sheet. So 10 points, then six against West Brom, eight against Aston Villa. So you yeah. never know. I mean, it's yeah. blank game week time. The, the, scene, the... the scene is set for your handbash goal. <laughs> that's what it's set for. <laughs> I, was, I was having a discussion with someone earlier about form. And if that's not the definition of form, I don't know what is. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it would one... just be so, it'd be so FBL. I mean, we can all hark back to when we all captain Shane Duffy. And uh, actually, ironically enough, it was Callum Wilson's Bournemouth that absolutely destroyed the Brighton mm. defence when we were all invested in them. So you never know. I mean, honestly, like a, a, a Brighton nil, Newcastle one with the Lascelles goal in the last ten minutes would just be so FPL this season. So the, you know, one thing, we'll one thing I do want to highlight on Brighton. Yeah. Maybe this is more for people who aren't pre-hitting, is they do have a fixture in thirty-three, and it's Sheffield United away. Yes. So if you maybe need to lose a Ricardo Pereira or you need to bring in a defender here or there, who are happy to bench for three ugly looking matches in Man United, Everton and Chelsea in between a Veltman, a dunk if you've got the cash maybe is a decent decent option play them now, play them again in 33 and you've got a bench spot That's a well. great point, I think he's, he's he's a free hit pick, Veltman or um, dunk um, they are also great options um, if you already use your wild card because you know you've got a good fixture in 33 when other players miss out. I uh, just want to mention Harry in the live chat. He said, I picked Ben White a couple of weeks ago. It looks like the worst Brighton defender I could possibly have gone for. In terms of attacking threat, yes, <laughs> uh, it is. Um, just to, just before we move on to um, arguably a better fixture for FPL assets, um, um, my goals imminent table once again has three names on it, just three names for game week 29. Um, two are in another fixture and just one from this fixture and it's Joe Ellington <laughs> uh, he's had 10 goal attempts one big chance one big chance missed um, uh, nine shots inside the box five on target um, yeah and he'll start so if you want a Hail Mary punt Joe Ellington and bear in mind <laughs> last week someone took the mickey out of me for putting Trossard on the goals imminent table I didn't put him there the stats put him there and Joe Ellington's on there as well. So if he should score, don't don't mock me. Just hail the goals evident table. Um, let's move on to some better fixtures. Uh, West Ham Arsenal. This is more like it, isn't it? <laughs> I like this. David, come on, introduce this one. I've got the stats up on the screen, so we'll come to them. And got some got some proper players here, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, we've got some players that are, that that look half decent uh, in terms of what a neutral would consider half decent. I mean. The fantasy managers actually kind of like it when we hear that there's boring nil-nils on the horizon. But of course, you know, really, the true football fans, we want to see some goals. Um, West Ham v Arsenal looks like where we could maybe get that. Obviously, uh, fresh from a North London derby victory, Arsenal were, we should be feeling confident um, going into another London derby. Uh, but of course, West Ham are chasing down the Champions League in the Europa League at the moment. And um, 
will have Jesse Lingard back, who clearly makes a big difference to their attack, bearing in mind how much they clearly missed him against Man United. So, um, yeah, there's there's lots to unpack here. Um, in that, yeah, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with Jesse Lingard, I think, because um, he has just out of nowhere become the kind of guy that is is troubling enough of the stats tables that we are. I mean, he was my favourite alternative captain when we did the captaincy video um, mm. earlier on today. Um, I've always been a big fan of players who can get lots of shots on target. Um, and that's something that he's clearly very good at because in the last four matches, no Premier League player has even the same number of shots on target as Jesse Lingard. And of course, no one has more than him with eight. So he's had one more than Kane. Now, obviously, I mean, that's it's only one uh, more than Kane. So I'm not saying he's astronomically better than Kane, but either way, he's keeping that sort of company. Um, and the chances that he's getting are, are, are decent too. So if you saw all players in the Premier League by uh, those who are actually playing this week, uh, Jesse Lingard is joined second for big chances over the last four with a total of three. He's had nine shots in the box, which is, again, joint best of all players who are playing in game week 29. So the form that he's carrying into this fixture is very strong. Um, and, uh, of course, he is converting that too. Um, I think he's only had one game that he's played in where he hasn't got something. Um, and he's got a lot to prove as well. So And, and he likes playing against Arsenal. It's a team that he, he has enjoyed playing against, um, even as a Man United player. Um, and then, for me, I think what makes... More exciting that he's playing Arsenal. They're they're not exactly an awful defence, and um, yeah, the, the right hand side of their defence is not by not by any stretch one of the worst right hand sides in the league. But it is their worst flank if we look at the last four matches that they've played. In the last four matches, they've conceded six down their own left flank. Have Arsenal, which makes quite a lot of sense. It being their best flank because of Kieran Tierney, who we would agree is their best defender. They've conceded seven chances through the middle, but ten down the right. Um, as I said, it's roughly mid-table, but effectively, you've got West Ham's most effective flank, the left, which is where Lingard has been playing, going up against Arsenal's weakest flank. To me, suggests there's quite a lot of potential here for Lingard to, um, you know, do quite a, quite a fair bit of damage. So he's a, he's a player that I'm really excited about. Um, but of course, he's not the only one. There's um, a lot of players coming into this game with some really nice uh, expected goals uh, history over the last um, few weeks. Um, I think you're quite a big fan of Aubameyang, aren't you, Joe? For this particular game. Yeah, yeah, I, I am actually. It was noticed he was pictured in training as well this week. So back in the fold, turned up on time, which is nice for him. Um, and expected goal involvement for this fixture. Antonio uh, was expected involved in three. He's had three big chances, a couple of goals. Um, shots inside the box, five. Four of that, most of those on target, four on target. Aubameyang, though, just behind him. Expected goal involvement of three. Four goals, though, so double the amount of goals. Nine shots inside the box, four on target. I think my thing with Aubameyang and why I might get him in is if Saka is available. But if Saka isn't available, there is the option of Lacazette going up front and then Aubameyang playing out wide. Um, and that could happen anyway. Um, or indeed he could be benched because they've got Europa League. So it is a risk going for Aubameyang. But if I see him starting... And whether I get him in or I don't get him in, I'm just going to think, ooh, could be some goals in that game. But as you said, it's Lingard, isn't it? For me, Lingard's my... I don't know how this has happened, but Jesse Lingard's my top target this he's, week. He's finally fulfilled his potential. Three, Yeah, I mean, three big chances. But did you mention there, the shots inside the box? Nine? This is Jesse Lingard. And I was, I was saying to you, David, it's like, a, it's like that Alan Partridge pitch for a TV programme of youth hustling <laughs> with with um, Chris Eubank I'm dead ending with Jesse Lingard so I'm going to wild card in a couple of weeks I'm quite happy to get Jesse Lingard in as my, my powerhouse for a couple of games and maybe he'll last me for the duration 
Um, if you're in for a Hail Mary punt, attacking-wise, Pepe at Arsenal and Lacazette, if you think it's going to start. And Jared Bowen is, you know, the also-ran, I think, for this one as well. Um, yeah, Seb, what do you, what do you reckon uh, with this, mo- this? I say this Motley Crew is much better than the Brighton-Newcastle lot. Oh, well, that's true. I mean, in fact, funnily enough, I was just looking up uh, this is a few weeks out of date now, but I've seen a more recent one, which is still faithful, give or take. The table since Christmas, now obviously the league doesn't start at Christmas, so you take this as a pinch of salt, but West Ham are second and Arsenal are third. So we know West Ham have been doing really, really well, but Arsenal have really come back into it. Now, whether that's because they've had easier fixtures or whatever, we can look deeper into it. But I do think this will be a good match between two good teams, and you can probably carry these assets going forward as well. You know, fixtures are mixed. There's some very good ones for West Ham in a little while, I believe. But there's some solid options there, especially in, like, say, your Saka we've mentioned. But Smith Rowe, he really is someone you could just stick on the bench and forget about. But if you want him for this week, he's got an okay chance. His stats aren't quite up there with the others. I think he's often maybe assisting the assister or helping progress their play. But we saw him hit the bar this week. We've seen him be involved. He's very, very cheap. It's possibly worth a punt. Yeah. um, I've got some some defender stats as well, which is put up. So, yeah, David, sorry. Well, I was going to say Kieran Tierney is one that I, I quite like the look of. I mean, I think Cresswell's an obvious one. I think if you're if you're free hitting, he's an easy inclusion. Harking back to what I was saying earlier about, I think sometimes when you free hit for these game weeks, you have to cover yourself on a few bases. I think Cresswell is starting to become one of those because he's now, uh, I think, the most owned defender, which makes complete sense because um, if people are heading to the FPL site to be like, oh, who's who's doing well as in defence at the moment? Well, he's the top scoring defender, so he's. It's weird because he hasn't really appeared in the in the kind of the hardcore template. He's been out there in the casual template um, because he's the kind of player we wouldn't normally consider. Um, so I think Cresswell is an easy inclusion if you're free hitting, maybe less so if you need to use free transfers. But Tierney is one I quite like the look of because mm. as much as I know I've obviously just talked up Lingard, I think West Ham will score in this game. Um, I think Tierney is, well, I'd argue, one of their best players. He's their mo- one of their most creative players. I believe in the last four matches, he's joined top for chances created for Arsenal. Um, but again, just coming back to where this game is going to be won and lost, because I've already talked about um, Arsenal's right flank and where you would expect either Bellerin or Cedric. Either way, like I said, not up to Tierney's level. West Ham have actually been um, absolutely sh- um, like shelling out opportunities for other teams down their own right flank. So in the last four matches, they've conceded 19 chances down that side of the pitch, which is the second worst in the whole division. The only team that have conceded more chances down that side in the last four is Newcastle. Um, probably no one on the left-hand side for the Brighton that would be that bothered by. So, you know, if you're going to target the weakest right flank yeah. for this match, it's it, for this game week, it is actually West Ham. So that, for me, suggests that Tini can do well because we know he can get forward and he can uh, do damage there. I think a lot of it comes from how forward uh, so foul gets. So I think that's why there's space there. But just going back to what you said about Abamian, there's lots of ifs and buts, of course, because um, you know we don't know whether or not the disciplinary issue is completely resolved. Uh, we might find out more. It's handy that we've got two press conferences coming up. Um, so there's that in the background. But um, you've mentioned, of course, the possibility of him playing on the left. And I don't think that's necessarily mm-hmm. a bad... Uh, scenario you know some people might look at that and be like oh I really wish he was playing centre forward for this game because maybe that he can do his best work there and of course maybe he can do great work as centre forward as he has done but if he is playing on the left hand side the stats are showing us he's going to have a heck of a lot of space to create chances or have chances afforded to him where West Ham have struggled to contain opponents so that that that, that particular side of the pitch is an area where I think this game is going to perhaps be won or lost 
Yes, indeed. Um, I've got those those stats up on the on the screen there, for, and and I I did a search for for best defenders, best attacking defenders in this matchup, and it's one of those ones where the search is where you've where you've just got <laughs> you've just got to go subterranean to find anyone else. There is basically only two really good options if you want to get returns at both end of pitch. You just mentioned them, David Tierney and Cresswell there. Tierney six chances created, Cresswell five. Goal attempts in the box. Um, goal, sorry, goal attempts. Uh, Tierney's had four. Cresswell's had one. Um, but it's this thing with Cresswell as well, the corners, and also looked at his crossing stats. He's huge, man. I think it's 24 crosses in the last uh, four matches. So, um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're two. They're defenders. I don't think there's going to be clean sheets in this, but you never know. So there is that possibility. But you would really be targeting these two guys for assist potential and possibly the odd goal. And, yeah, I think I think these are strong targets. Cresswell... And Tierney are both. I'm I'm going to get one of them in, and I don't know which one. And it may well be Cresswell. We had a couple of questions in the chat about mm. Odegaard, and just to touch on him, just looking up his stats in the last, I think that was last two matches, that's why he's played. Um, he is level with Smith Rowe for 0.31 xgi, which isn't horrendous, but that's really quite far down the list of players in this fixture to look at. So while I think he's an attractive option in real life and to the eye, I'm waiting to see those stats that would convince yeah. me he's challenging for a place in my FPL midfield. Definitely. And also it's worth bearing in mind Arsenal play Liverpool um, after this game week, but then it goes really good. It goes Sheffield United, I think. Um, so mm-hmm. um, they're ones for, you've got to weigh up when you're wildcarding, if you've already used your wildcard, if you're free hit chipping. So there are, uh, you know, strategic merits to Arsenal or perhaps avoiding them. But yeah, definitely Tierney and Cresswell here. Um, just just know a couple of community questions on uh, we had an Arsenal West Ham FPL notebook asked West Ham one of the most informed teams, which um, you both both talked about. Um, but have one of the tougher fixtures against Arsenal. Maybe um, is it worth investing in Cresswell? Well, hopefully we've answered that. Yes, um, or even Jesse Lingard. Yes, I'm, fact, I'm almost offended. They've used the word even. I, I, come can't, on. I can't even believe he's back. <laughs> Young Jesse Lingard's there. And FPL France, uh, Franz says, who are the best Arsenal picks going forward? So hopefully we've covered them as well. Tierney, Aubameyang, Saka if he's fit. But, you know, are they, are they going to be? I, I think you've, you have to get an Arsenal player in. And, and if they get benched, don't be surprised. That's just the way it is. And if you can accept that, and perhaps if you're free hitting and you've got the luxury of a bench as well then I think Arsenal that could be quite good that's probably the only benefit I can think of free hitting because we said there's not a lot of players so far um let's move on last fixture here we are the final straight Spurs against Villa now we'll, we'll get Seb to introduce this what well, I just wanted to know one thing I found quite funny is that everyone's been going oh we've got to get Martinez in for this blank game week oh I've got to get Kane in and captain him so something's got to give <laughs> in this game but anyway Seb Spurs Villa that's quite it's quite okay for players, isn't it? I would say I would say so. I think the obvious thing here is our trio of Son, Bell and Kane, who we probably all have two of, will have two of, maybe three of. We know Son obviously took an injury in the last match. I'm not sure how long he's out for. I don't know if we've had that confirmed. I don't know if either of you know. Um so. there has been some update in the media that um is reportable because um, football.london are happy to put it out and that the injury is apparently not as bad as first feared. Um, there's a possibility that he could be fit for the Newcastle game after the international break, but 
the report also indicated that he could even play against Aston Villa, um, which is obviously a, a bit of a dis, you know disparity because you know there's a three week gap between those two fixtures. So what is the extent? Maybe they don't know yet. The interesting factor on this is that um, if he plays against Villa, then it's a lot harder for Spurs to stop him playing for South Korea in the international break. Now it would not really be in anyone's best interests uh, in this country for him to do that in terms of, I don't really know what the travel um, scenario is, but either way, clubs don't normally like their players going out on international break. And when there's a pandemic on a global one, you know, I don't know if Spurs really want him involved in international break. So that's not to say that they wouldn't play him against Villa, but if they don't play him against Villa, it's a lot easier to say to South Korea, look, he's not fit enough. So that dynamic is kind of tickling away in the background and we'll probably get more information on it. Uh, either on, uh, I think we'll have one tomorrow. We'll have a press conference on Wednesday for the Europa League game, and we'll have a post-match after the Europa League, which will be pre-match for the weekend. So, sorry, yes, that was supposed to be a quick update, but it's a little bit complicated. So, yeah, no, I that, hope was, that helps. <laughs> that, that, that was brilliant. Thank you so much. So, I guess really we're probably planning without Son, maybe hoping. Most people probably hold him, so I'd say just you hold that transfer until we know a bit more. At this stage, as much as I'm someone who loves to build team value. At this stage, and with so many expensive players maybe underperforming, I don't think we need to worry about any price drops just now in lieu of getting information anyway. So then the question for me becomes, okay, Son de Bell is an easy move if you don't already have that. And if you don't have Kane, you probably look to bring Kane in. And we know over the last four matches, giant surprise, Kane is there with 3.75 XGI, just behind Ian Atjo, naturally, of course, who's on 3.87. And then in the midfielders, we have Gareth Bale on 2.56 and Son on 2.35. But the interesting excuse me, thing to note between those two is that Son's kind of all comes from the XA, which is a 1.74, which is a high for that period of matches, whereas Bale only has 0.4 XA and his XG is 2.16. So clearly, we, you know, we've seen that shift when we're watching match of the day, when we're watching the matches. Son is staying wider, he's creating chances. We've seen what Spurs look like when they don't have Kane. We saw maybe their threats reduce. Son, even if he moves up front, at that time, Bale wasn't playing. It almost didn't matter. He was coming central with Kane anyway. We're seeing Son wider. The question for me is, can they do without Son, who clearly is creating? We know Lucas Moura might come into that 10 position, but... His stats, frankly, look awful. It's a question of whether you think he can boost those up with maybe a position and a bigger role in the side. I think Kane might be okay, but can Bale and Kane recreate this Son-Kane partnership they had in the past? We saw them assist and score for each other the other day. But without Son, we're maybe losing the thing that has really made Spurs into this resurgent team, which is, okay, we can mark Kane and Son out the game or we can deal with that. Oh, no, there's a Gareth Bale. There isn't that anymore. So while I think if you're free hitting this week, of course you go for both those Spurs players, maybe even all three. If you're looking to take minus fours and minus eights to start breaking your team, just give a little pause of thought. Maybe wait for some press conferences, look at some stats a bit more deeply. I don't know what you guys think about that. Yeah, I do yeah, think... I, think, yeah, oh, sorry, I was just going to say with Lucas Moore as well, it's a Hail Mary punt. We've, we've seen him score hat-tricks at massive games in the Champions League. We've also seen him do very little and we're seeing that at the moment. I mean, he's not getting the minutes, bless him. But is he going to fulfil that role that if Son is out? So you can see from the stats we've got here, Kane expected to be involved in nearly four goals. This is big. Four big chances. Had three goals. Six chances created. Eight inside the box. Just Kane, Kane, Kane. Get him in. He is, he is a must. And he will be the most cap popular captain. Then there is Bale with three big chances. Score four goals. But just five chances created. Okay, that's not too shabby. But then you look at Son, 10 chances created. So he's half half the man Son is in terms of creativity. 
and Son has, Son has had three shots in the box. Um, sorry, yeah, yeah, three shots in the box and Bale five there. So that's what you're getting from them. You're going into the unknown. I think this week without Son in the Europa League will be interesting if Bale and Kane play together and you can see some. Say, for example, if Kane scores a hat-trick and they're all assisted by Bale, then yeah, knock yourself out. It's going to be the Bale and Kane show, presumably. But I don't know whether that's going to happen. Um, and it's, you know, it's a risk and we don't like risks. Um in fantasy football we want sort of sure things like Salah scoring or Fernandez scoring and these are the kinds of things we want and I think you can get I think if you think Spurs are going to score against Villa Kane's your man Bale involvement maybe it's more likely he'll get hooked at 65 and you can hope he's get a, get a goal in him um, and then with Son as well Son owners they've got a real problem because if he's out for this game international break fit and re- ready for Newcastle you want him for Newcastle um, but if you've got rid of him and there's other players you want to get in for game week 30 so Son for me is possibly a hold um, even if he's not playing which is annoying and I think a lot yeah, of other in, people will be in that situation but I'm just thinking ahead when, yeah. yeah in this scenario where you can't necessarily get to 11 players if you've, you've sat there with 7 players and one of them Son yeah, you're absolutely right. It's a really rubbish place to be in. I, I, I think I, I think I'd echo what you guys are saying about about Son's uh, role in the team, and it does concern me what they could be like without him. And we saw that for large spells of the North London derby. And it's not just even about the volume of chances he's created; it's like the quality of them too. He's created six big chances in the last four, which is double second place in the whole league for that. So he, to lose that is is big. I, I think one of the element about Spurs assets here is actually um, Aston Villa defence as well. Now that's not to say that. Um, I mean, to be honest, I, I still have no idea what to make of Villa defence because um, really there's two stories going on at the same time with their defence. Now, if you look at um, last six matches and look at XGC, uh, Villa are supposed to have conceded 8.25 goals. Now, um, if you filter out all the teams in the league that aren't playing this week, that makes them the second worst defence for blank game week 29 of teams playing because you've got Brighton a second, Arsenal a fourth in the league. Um, you know, you've got Fulham and Leeds a sort of upper mid table. Uh, and then, yeah, when you start to get down to Villa and Newcastle, these are the worst performing defences. But and there's a massive but here, or rather a massive Argentinian, uh, who seems to be changing that story completely because they've only conceded four goals. Their expected uh, goals conceded delta is minus 4.25. And so much of that is because of him. His uh, over the same period, his xG prevented is plus three point seven. So he has this, this rounded up to four because he's nearly there. Uh, Martinez has basically stopped four goals going in. Of course, most shots are never close to one point zero xG. So that just shows you how many top top saves he makes. So I'm actually going to plug this back into Seb's point about with the uncertainty about Son you know, taking hits to set yourself up with a Spurs triple up in an attack, it could backfire. It could backfire massively because of Martinez. Or alternatively, he has a game like he did against Newcastle where the team the team that he's facing don't necessarily create enough chances to produce the save points. And, um, you know, he ends up um, conceding maybe one goal, maybe two goals um, with few chances created. And Spurs are capable of that. Spurs are capable of playing quite poorly, scoring two goals, um, and then you still think, well, Kane and Bale or, and or Son will be involved in that. It's such a shame. 
that they're playing Villa. Villa are just who knows. You just <laughs> never know if they're gonna. They're always gonna give out shots. They're so reliant on Martinez. It makes it really hard to um, to to really be a hundred percent confident on Spurs assets. I think. Oh, one thing we do know about Villa. Uh, sorry, Spurs so far. Although unknowingly we can't really project that forward with Spurs, but uh, with Son potentially out is that when they do create chances, they tend to be of the bigger variety with the way they play. They don't create as many. They don't create as many as they uh, need to for the goals they score. It's potentially not sustainable. We've seen that all season. But with Son out, we're really not sure even what type of chances they're going to create. So like you were saying there, David, if if they don't have many shots and Martinez doesn't get the save points, but then they create one big chance, which Kane puts away, that's possibly the worst of both worlds for you. And I think on the flip side, worth looking at how maybe Villa have played recently without Grealish. It's been a little while now. When... Grealish was fit they were possibly a very different proposition and even now with Grealish having been out for a while admittedly third place in this list has been out too but XA for the season has Grealish second behind Bruno Fernandes and just ahead of De Bruyne Grealish has missed a load of minutes if we sort it by um, XA per minute or XG, uh, XGI per minute as well he still comes out pretty well lower down but he comes out very well and he comes out a lot better than other Aston Villa assets which I think really shows how important he is to their attacking play. Maybe not just even their attacking play. You know, the, you hear the whole defending from the front, holding onto the ball, being dangerous with the ball, thus forcing teams back, which could suit Spurs or not, depending on how they play. But we're seeing Ollie Watkins. In the last few matches, his XG has fallen off a cliff. But off the top of my head, his XA was up at 1.2, 1.5, something like that, which is relatively impressive. But if he's having to come, and he's always created chances as well, he's quite a well-rounded forward. But if he's having to come and take up that load from Grealish and other players are having to try and take up that load, there's no one there to score the goals and we know they don't create as well as Grealish. So they're looking a little dodgy at both ends at the moment. So, so, and so what, we're, what, here, what we're saying with, with Grealish, if Grealish is involved, so um, all ears on Dean Smith's um, press conference, if, if Grealish is involved, there you go. Villa may do well and Grealish definitely becomes an option. But if he's a sort of, you know, a maybe or definitely ruled out, then they're perhaps a no-go in terms of attacking threat. And we see, I've got the expected goal involvement stats on the screen there. Just, we've spoken about Kane and Bale and Son, all expected to be involved in two to three, four goals. Watkins right down there, no big chances, expected to be involved in just over a goal and a half, uh, the old half goal metric, and created six chances at eight shots in the box and half of them on target. Um, Triore um, is your next best at 5.9 I think he went into the advertising hoardings let's hope he's okay um, he had uh, three chances created four shots in the box none of them on target there you, that's that's what you're getting there so whoop de doo uh, El Ghazi um, a couple of big chances 5.3 1.52 on the expected goal involvement scored a goal seven big chance sorry seven chances um, five shots inside the box and he's been shooting from range as well because he's got six shots on target um, if I was free hitting and I was looking for a differential player in this match El Ghazi would probably be the one if I thought Grealish was out um, because he was the one who's got that nice mix of chances created shots inside the box and he's getting big chances as well unlike Watkins because as Seb was saying falling off a cliff and Watkins as what as Watkins owners, you know, you might get a bit of FPL points out of him, but you're not getting what you would perhaps expect um, to be getting out of him, and that's because most people probably got him in when Grealish was around, and then without Grealish, he's not not quite the man to be. Um, is El Ghazi on penalties, if I remember correctly? Oh. He, he is, I think. He when he 
uh, it was when he's on the pitch, he's on penalties, yeah. was what Dean Smith said. And he said when he's not on the pitch, Grealish is. So it does sort of beg the question, what happens if Algarzi doesn't start? Because there is, there's still remote possibility, I suppose, if Troy is fit. Um, because in a couple of recent games, Troy and Trezeguet have played other side of Watkins because El Ghazi was coming back from an injury. Um, it was a toe, a toe, infected toe, I think it was. Um, sorry, some people think that's too much information, but you know, come on, it's worse than going on in the world right now than someone's yeah. infected toe. Um, so yeah, I think I think it probably is, but it just depends on. Um, but but, sure. but the point is, who knows? Like, because if Greedish isn't there and El Ghazi isn't there, it could be back to Watkins again. Oh, Ross, um, Bar- Ross Barkley, I'd probably say ahead of Watkins, just because well, yeah, Watkins but, I mean, is not good at them, if he plays. No, <laughs> but, but, but Barkley's not in the team either. I mean, their offensive <laughs> threat is really, it has dropped off a cliff. And to be perfectly honest, I think, based on what Dean Smith knows about Spurs, because we all know it, that there are teams that if you can frustrate them, you can maybe get a result. I wouldn't be too shocked to see him play 4-3-3 again, um, rather than a 4-2-3-1, uh, even if Grealish is back. You know, in- instead of playing two holding midfield players and three attacking midfield players, um, you know, him playing perhaps maybe um, McGinn uh, and Douglas Louise and Nakamba or uh, Douglas Louise, uh, McGinn and, and Sanson. Um, I, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised to see them play a midfield three here and try and win this game in midfield rather than, um, you know, expose themselves to potential counter-attack knowing what Spurs can do on the counter-attack. Um, it's annoying because, as you said, Joe... We're probably not really that excited about Villa attack, but we're all most of us are sat here with Watkins. <laughs> you know, what can yeah. we do when you think about free transfers of pressures? Most of us are just probably gonna have to go into this week with him anyway and hope for the best. You know, the greenish news is big because I think the one thing we've just not quite touched on here um, is, is Spurs defenders. I think if Grealish is ruled out definitely and you've got the space to make that move or you're on a free hit, then I think Reese possibly a good shout. Um, because Spurs will concede enough chances, I think, to allow him to make saves. He's normally, of the 5.5s, he's normally one of the best at balancing clean sheets with save potential to effectively give you Martinez levels of points. He is capable of that. Well, um, I was just going to say with and, Grealish, um, I just wanted to add in Steve Elbows again, quoting him in the live chat. But he, he just echoed something. I was just about to make this point, but Steve Elbows has instead. He says, from with Grealish, is from a fancy points perspective, people have been getting frustrated with him. Um, and I, I'm exactly that kind of person. Even when I owned him, even when Grealish was fit, I wanted to get rid of him because he was really annoying. Because no matter how wonderful he looks and how short his socks are, he's rubbish. <laughs> it's an FPL asset. I, well, he certainly was for me. Um, and I, I, I've completely sidestepped all his earlier hauls. And so even with Grealish, I'm just not keen on Villa at all. Um, but yeah, sorry. No, I think it's a good point to make because I think it just strengthens the idea that Spurs defenders are just worth thinking about. Lloris is an obvious one because he's a goalkeeper and you're not, you know, you wouldn't have to worry about rotation. I think one of the reasons they often aren't on the radar is because Mourinho rotates them so much and could argue maybe that's why they don't keep as many clean sheets as they as they could or should. But for this game, I think we could be relatively confident that Aurier would play because Doherty just hasn't done that well and we know Aurier's fit the Europa League will help us there. And of course, you know, looking at defenders for this game in their last four, Aurier is top for those. Uh, yeah, for five five, five chances picture. created, four goal attempts. Yeah, four um, shots as well. So a lot of upside with him. If you're worried about his place, then Davidson Sanchez, I think, has started each of the last seven, which is, as I said, gone completely under the radar, perhaps because they're not keeping the clean sheets. But if you're looking for the, the nailed-on starter who isn't the goalkeeper, at the moment, that appears to be Sanchez at the moment 
Definitely. I mean, just with the stats we got up on the screen, this is all defenders in this match. Um, just to underline Doherty's created three chances. Goal attempts, zero. So shots inside the box, zero. Goals, zero. Corners, zero. It's just zero, zero, zero. And that's not what you're after. Um, it was um, Ben Crabtee, who's won FPL. Um, he was uh, blessed. It was his um, differential pick last week was Doherty. Uh, rolling back the years. But it's just... It's clear that Aurier and Reguillon is there. I put him in. He's just created one chance. But he's had five goal attempts. So, um, you know, these are good options here. In terms of chance creation, target. And El Mahamedy, who hasn't been great. I mean, that's your best options. Um, and obviously, concerts offers goal threat. And, you know, he could have had some mega hauls recently, but hasn't. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's probably, for me, it's, it's what you've got with Villa. If you've already got them, just play them. Um and if you haven't got yeah, I think that's the, that's the thing though, isn't it? We've all been planning with, you know, oh, yeah. we want to keep players like Watkins for this week in mind. And now now that it's here, it doesn't seem that exciting. We've lost a few key assets. And maybe it comes down to whether you're free hitting or whether you're not or whether you're wildcarding in, in a couple of weeks as to what you do here. As someone who has a free hit, no wildcard and free transfers, I'm tempted to ride it, which would maybe put me on the side of just, you know, okay, I get, you know, an average or a low score, fine, but no one's going to outscore me massively. And maybe I just ride it on, which I know, you know, you want to look at a, a perfect free hit team for us as well, Joe. So well, yeah. maybe we can see how many points I will well, miss well, out. Well, let's from. have a look. Yeah, so I'm, I'll, put, I'll put some stats up here, which is um, last four, which is what, what both of you have been talking about a lot uh, over, over over the episode so far, is expected goals attackers at top. Um, and, and then I've got big chances conceded. So these are the best defences, um, last four um, down the bottom. And this shows that out of the teams that are playing... Um, XG champions Brighton up there then Arsenal then Tottenham then West Ham so these are the teams so if you're free hitting I would be targeting an attacker from a, Bright a Brighton attacker an Arsenal attacker um, Tottenham and West Ham these are the teams I would be targeting for attack when it comes to defence amongst the ones that are playing in game 29 it's Brighton West Ham and Tottenham so once again I would be looking at West Ham Tottenham and um, and Brighton and and West Ham, even though they play Arsenal, who are high up in terms of scoring, what I like about West Ham is that they've got options like Dawson, who's got a goal in him, like Cresswell, who's got an assist in him. These are options that you can play, and you think, well, you know, I'm actually getting them for attacking returns, and the clean sheet would be a bonus. Um, so you know, with that in mind, we have been asked by. Um, it was hot dogs for tea that says, what would your free hit starting 11 be? So both of you have your free hit. I don't know whether you're going to play it or not. Probably not <laughs> after the discussion so far. But I, I've used my free hit already. I've, I actually got um, a, a dividend from it um, in, the, in the previous blank game week because my team was that bad <laughs> before that. Um, so if I was free hitting, um, I would have in goal Sanchez or Lloris. I would have one of Dunk or Reguillon. So I would have Sanchez, Oleris, Dunk or Reguillon. So I'd have a Spurs and a Brighton defender somewhere. And it all depends on budget. I would then have Dallas because, I, because I'm looking at points at both ends of the pitch. I would have Cresswell for the assist potential. I would have a 3-5-2 and I would go for one of Trossard and Gross. So this is a free hit. So that's why I would take, I would take a punt on one of Trossard and Gross. I would get a Bamiang in because if I'm free hitting, I've presumably got a bench. So if Bamiang is not playing, I can get someone in. Um, Bale, Rafina, 
and Lingard. Jesse Lingard would be my vice captain, and uh, and up front I would have just Kane and Madger, because I once again would be going for a bit of a punt here, and I think if Fulham can score, it's likely to come from him. So it would be a mixture of the swords and shields I would go for. And if I was free hitting, because the beauty of the free hit is, I mean, the team I've read out there, no human being on this planet or indeed any planet would ever go, oh, I can't wait to field that 11. That's just the most teapots 11 you could possibly get. But for this rubbish game week, blank game week 29, it's quite good. <laughs> and then the best thing about it is you can just wave them all goodbye. And in game week 30, all your wonderful players from City and Chelsea, etc. all come back in. Um, and and there you go. Um, but yeah, I don't know about either of you two. Whether you've you've had a chance to get a free hit in mind, um, David. I mean, I just oh, yeah, no, no, please, please, no, after you, David. Please. Oh, we're, we're both going. Please, please after you. Please after you. <laughs> um, well, I was just going to talk about um, the. We've done a poll on site at the moment about mm. how many people don't have their free hit, Ooh. which I think is an important part of this discussion because I, I. So I haven't looked at a free hit squad yet because I'm. I largely agree with the consensus that it's this game week sucks. So I don't really want to spend it on this game week, but and I generally, I generally don't use my free hit in this game week every season because we get one of these every year, don't we? Where the FA Cup quarterfinals mashes with the Premier League schedule, so we get maybe four, somewhere between four and six fix, fixtures. I don't like to use a free hit in a week where the player pool for maximum success is quite small because then it means that it's harder for you to create a stretch gap between what you can achieve and what everyone else is on. Um, I prefer, I, there's a higher ceiling for that when the semi-finals clash with the Premier League or of course this year we get the EFL Cup final as well so we've got a couple of other game weeks in the future for me to use my free hit on uh, I think the ceiling for that week is higher but um, that doesn't I think this year more than ever this game week um, just because of the way the season has panned out there is more potential for you to make bigger games with the free hit than there would in this week in any other season simply because a load of people I don't want to stay wasted because I didn't use it, so I don't want to be that offensive about it. But a lot of people used it in blank game week 18. Some to good effect. I, me, some, I, I did. Not, I got yeah, 25 yeah. points, 30 points more than I would have got. But, well, there we go. So, well, that's so, it was so, so bad some people, anyway. <laughs> some people had some success, but a lot of people didn't. So they, they very much left themselves exposed to the few people that have their free hit left. And the poll we did on site was, are you playing the free hit this week? And the results that we had so far were really interesting because um, we had four options, which were, yes, I'm playing my free hit. No, because I don't have it anymore. No, because I want to hold it. Or I haven't decided yet. I'm going to wait to see on injuries, you know, Son, Bamford, etc. And no, I don't have it anymore. 62.87% uh, of people in that poll can't use their free hit in this game week. 12.3% um, won't to use their free hit in this game because they don't want to. And just 21.6% of people who voted in this poll are going to use it. So then for me, that suggests that actually the ceiling for success for this chip is hard than usual because fewer people are going to use it. There's going to be considerably fewer people with a full 11 compared to usual. And we did another poll just on people's squad size as well. And we basically found that the three most uh, common available maximum players you can get to with your free transfers were eight and nine. So there, so like I said, like the, the, the chances that there lots of people will have a full 11 this week is lower than usual. So it's a bit um, hypocritical because I'm not going to use my free hit. But if you've got two or three players or you've got five or six or you just really fancy some of the players that Joe's mentioned, then don't be afraid about using your free hit if you're worried about the player pool or what everyone else is doing. Because it is a, it's weird because the free hit this week is a, is a differential move, I think. 
Yeah. So I guess the one, the one, I mean, you covered that beautifully. It was what I was going to say, but so much better put and backed up with data. The one thing I would add to it is that you mentioned, you know, if someone's got two, three, four, five players, yeah, maybe you do want to free hit just because the difference between your best possible score and say the average or the best possible score someone else is going to be so much larger. You know, maybe this is the game that the game week where you can make, make the most games, but if you've already got six, seven, you know, you mentioned eight or nine there, you've probably got the big players. So if you didn't have Kane, you didn't have a fit son, you didn't have Bale, maybe Aubameyang on a punt. Those are the ones to get. If you've already got them, I don't know where your points are going to come from reliably. You might bring in a bunch of players that all get double digit hauls and it's amazing, well done. But that will be luck as much as judgment. And when you've got a chip to use like the free hit once a season, you've got to play it when maximum opportunity presents itself. And I don't know if that's this week. For me personally, you mentioned it there, David, I'd possibly be looking at 33 because there's more players to pick from. But also myself, I will potentially have three Spurs players and three City players. Gundogan and De Bruyne have scored tonight, who are two players I own. So I know people are looking at moving on Gundogan. I'd like to see a little bit more of him, but there's still other City options as well to continue having three. And the three Spurs players are obvious. So if I'm going to miss six or five players from that week and also have more to choose from to replace them, I think that's the biggest swing I can achieve. And at this stage of the season, we say all year, you know, it's not about differentials in terms of beating someone here or there. It's just about getting points. Well, now we're getting to the point of the season where the amount of points left are are dwindling. And if I can make the most of that week and get points other people aren't going to get, that is attractive to me. So, so Seb, if you were wildcarding, who would your 11 be? I was sorry, not wildcarding. Sorry, if you, if you were free hitting for this week, who would Ooh. your 11 be? So I, I will admit I've not prepared this yet. I'm going to have a look at it. I'm going to have a look at it tonight and tomorrow. I okay. Think. But your your team's not a million miles away. I would I would question if you want Antonio. I know you've got Lingard. Mm. Antonio just has, you know, if we want to use the word fixture proof, he just has some brilliant yeah. stats in whatever match he plays. He scored against City twice. Yeah. I feel like if you're taking a one-week punt on a West Ham team, it almost doesn't matter who they're playing, yeah. get Antonio. Yeah, I think in the 11 I mentioned, yeah, uh, Maggio would be the, the, the punt, but Antonio, if I've got the money, get the extra million. Yeah, definitely a better option. Um, Reasonable. And I would, you know, we've mentioned Tierney down here as well. I'd maybe be tempted by him, but I think realistically, I could put together a completely different 11 that gets, well, okay, I'd have probably five or six of the same players, yeah. but I'd change a few of them and we'd get very similar points, right? Yeah. It's just shuffling a deck here, I think, at this stage. David, what would your what would your 11 be? Yeah, I think I'm, I'm, I would say it's, it's, it would be similar because the player pool is so small. I think, yeah, great point on Antonio. Um, he, he seems to always, um, you know, when we look at the fixtures of West Ham, I think, oh, they're tough. Still got three goals in the first six matches of the season when they basically played all of the horrible teams straight off the bat. So he can definitely do it. Um, yeah, I, I think um, oh, you've obviously got, gone with Sanchez or Lloris, Dunk or Regulon. I think mm. I'd probably be going with Sanchez, I think. And possibly, I think I'd probably, I'd actually probably back Brighton over Spurs, mm. I think. But it would just come down to uh, to Grealish. If Grealish was going to be involved, then I think that just supercharges the, the Villa attack. If he's not there, then yeah, maybe I should be thinking more about, about Spurs. But as I said, it would be largely similar. It would be largely similar because just there's not much to choose from. Okay, well, let's move on to the next four game weeks. Um, I'll put the picture up. Hopefully it's in the notes. David, do you want to sort of mention some of the key teams there for the next four game weeks that we should be um, thinking about? 
Yeah, so obviously um, the season ticker gives us the opportunity to uh, sort uh, the teams uh, by fixture difficulty for uh, however many how many game weeks you'd like to, to sort it in the members area, which is really nice. And um, it's a little bit skewed at the moment because obviously if you're going to sort by overall potential for fixtures over the next four game weeks, starting with game week 29, it is going to naturally favour the teams that do have a fixture in 29. But of course, that's still very helpful for anyone who has already used their wildcard because if you're going to get someone in for this game week, it would be kind of nice if they also had decent fixtures beyond that. And Newcastle, top of the charts, because of course they play, they're away at um, uh, XG Champions Brighton, but not actual G Champions Brighton, which obviously is very helpful for them. Um, then they then they they host Spurs, which obviously is a tricky one. But then they're away at Burnley. Of course, those games are normally low scoring, and then they host West Ham. So we already talked about Lascelles as a possible differential opportunity. Well, if you need to rotate someone in and out. Away trips to Brighton and Burnley, hardly the worst in the world. And of course, um, you know, if you're looking at Callum Wilson when he comes back, relatively decent fixtures there as well. I like that Fulham are here. Um, you know, home against Leeds, I think home against Wolves, you know, potential clean sheet there for your Areolas uh, and your Aiders. Um, you got Arsenal, uh, Spurs, West Ham, obviously all in, in this scenario as well. I do just want to really point out the, the teams that don't have a fixture this game week that have nice fixtures coming up, because I think this is really what the benefit of looking at these fixtures are, is to look at the fixture turns as they're about to happen. And Chelsea are one that really stand out to me uh, because they host West Brom. Uh, they then go to Crystal Palace, host Brighton. You know, if you can trust Rudiger to start every game, then great shout. If you can, I mean, you can probably trust Aspilicueta more than you can trust Rudiger, but either way, Chelsea's fixtures are imminently turning, which is nice. And uh, I, I'm going to include Wolves as well, uh, home to West Ham, but then away at Fulham and home to Sheffield United. And I think I've mentioned a couple of times on the Scoutcast, I've really been impressed with Connor Cody's uh, newfound goal threat uh, in uh, in the last few matches. And, um, you know, so then if you combine clean sheet potential by going up against uh, low scoring teams, a little bit of goal threat, then maybe Cody can finally become a fantasy asset after so long in the Premier League. So, yeah, they're the teams that I like the look of, I think, from the next four matches. But if you want to uh, have a look at a longer period, if you want to look at split it by attack or defence, um, you can do that in the premium members area uh, on Fantasy Football Scout. And it's, uh, it's a great, great tool. It's quite, it's quite um, yeah, it's quite very illuminating for those teams that aren't playing because these are the players we're thinking of removing. Um, because they haven't got a fixture. So, for example, I've seen a number of people say, oh, I'm going to replace Calvert-Lewin with, I don't know, Antonio or whoever. Um, I'm keeping Calvert-Lewin because looking at the fixtures there, game week 30, Calvert-Lewin is nailed on. If fit, he plays and he just scored. Um, and we've seen, you know, that he can score. You know, he's a great source of points. He's got Crystal Palace, Brighton and then Tottenham. So the next two are just absolutely brilliant. I want him for those. And then looking at Wolves as well for the wild card, which I'm probably going to do in 31 or 32. Um, yeah, Wolves have got Fulham and Sheffield United. It just it's just absolutely great, and it's that Chelsea one. So my my target of um, of getting um because I think I'm going to have quite a good team for game week 30, especially if I keep my Leeds players because um, Leeds have Sheffield United. Um, but then looking at Chelsea, they got West Brom, Crystal Palace, and Brighton, as you said. Um, so Aspilicueta is actually my top target and so I'm planning to sell Salah and having the money left over is going to leave me with so much in the bank that I can easily move um, one of my defenders to Aspilicueta in time for that West Brom fiction game week 31 um, looking to wildcard and, and yeah and, and add to that maybe get Mendy and goal uh, maybe add to that with say Mason Mount 
um, Havertz, if he's still looking like he's been playing as a 9, 10, whatever they want to call him. But if he's the guy up top at Chelsea with good fixtures, he's the guy I might want to be getting, especially if he's good value. So, yeah, yeah, it's really interesting being able to do it like this, especially for this type of uh, game week. Um, Seb, are you... Um, notice any because you've used your wild card and you have a free hit to go so yeah. this is particularly of interest to you because you can you've got to you haven't got the wild card to as part of that planning process so you using your transfers each week yeah so I've, I've saved two free transfers and i may well use them on this coming week mostly just to get Kane, but it's tempting to try and save them build towards as well i've been trying to style the team a bit to work it out i think you've covered the big bases here chelsea certainly look like the team that we want to identify. I mean, for a while now under Tuchel, right? They've been okay attacking-wise at 11 goals in 10 games, which is it's all right, but it's the defence we want. There's a bit of rotation there, so maybe that narrows our picks. As Paqueta, I think it's possibly the best one there. Rudiger cheaper. We saw him. We thought he was nailed, then we saw him get a rest. Maybe a bit like City. We just have to take a rest every now and again. Even the goalkeeper, Mendy, was rotated out one match, and I think Tuchel literally used the word rest or something like that when he did it. So there's a possibility there. Then looking at maybe a little bit beyond as well. So we know Liverpool maybe haven't been everyone's favourite team, but their fixtures to the end of the season are very, very nice. Mm. So everyone who's losing Salah, fair enough. He's really expensive as well. So maybe that's just not worth it. But anyone who's held on to Trent Alexander-Arnold got maximum bonus last night. He's got some decent fixtures. We're seeing Jota come back yeah. in starting to play up front. He scored goals, scored, uh, scored against Wolves. I mean, yeah, you point out with Liverpool there. With, with my wild card around then, uh, 31... I'm looking at Alexander-Arnold and Jota because I think I'm going to get more bang for my buck out of them than just investing it all into Salah, who I'll be tempted to captain, who will get me two points. And it, it was the Wolves game that was the clincher because I was seeing signs with Fabinho in midfield. I was thinking, oh, hello. Um, you know, more attacking, better, fluid, Liverpool, Salah, Wolves defence, the underlying stats were awful. Um, and what transpired... It wasn't. It wasn't a great showing from Salah again. So, yeah, yeah you just meant you mentioned it, Seb. There, those are the two players. I get. I guess they're players you're targeting as well. If if you don't have them already. Well, I think. I mean, I know we're looking just the next four here, but with the blank as David put so well, like it kind of skews it a bit. So, oh sure, we'll cover this again in a couple of weeks. So I won't go into too much detail. But there is another little turn. Your wildcarding. You say mm. thirty-one. Leeds have some bad fixtures, then yeah. some very good ones. Leicester don't play. Have some dodgy fixtures, then some very good ones. West Ham again the same. So if you could start building a team that's maybe got, what, let's say Chelsea, Liverpool, and got preparation for West Ham, Leicester, Leeds, I think you build a very strong end to the season. So someone like me who doesn't have that wild card, I may be just benching my three Leeds players, or if one of them becomes Kane, holding on to them until those fixtures turn, maybe holding on to a Ricardo Pereira. I know he hasn't played that well, but I'm looking maybe not to transfer myself into some players that I will then remove again immediately. I may be looking to use the squad over this period. Okay, let's look at a differential, you know, based on these four fixtures. So Cancelo, Gundogan, Antonio, Bale, we've had a number of successes. Um, FPL champion Ben picked Doherty last time out. So literally no pressure, Seb. Um, you return to pick a differential. Who is it? I am I am so glad there's no pressure because I think the blank game week is throwing a bit of a, a, bit of a spanner in the works here. At first, I felt compelled to pick a player who played in the blank game week because I've only got four fixtures. I don't want to burn one of them. That just seems silly. But as we've gone through tonight, all of the players that play in the blank are highly owned. There isn't really anyone that massively jumps out to me that's under 5% that I think will outperform someone who has three matches, for example. So the little shortlist I drew up, 
was Arsenal question mark. It's kind of what Smith Rowe, Odegaard are the ones under Lacazette under 5%. They don't really interest me. So looking maybe at West Ham, who play in the blank, you mentioned Craig Dawson earlier yourself, mm. Joe, but I think he will be outperformed by the Chelsea defence. So then it's about, and they don't play this week, but the three next matches are very, very nice. So it's about maybe targeting the defender. Do we punt on Alonso? Well, he's only played one in the last four, I think. Maybe that means he will play. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know if I can rely on him. Rudiger's the nice cheap option there. And then if we look beyond Chelsea, we mentioned Jota at Liverpool. That attracts me. And then I should have sooner said beyond Chelsea because go back to Chelsea. Havertz as well. You mentioned him maybe playing that false nine role. Although we've seen him do the bits for Leverkusen off the right in the 10 role at false nine, whatever. He's an actual nine. He he said he was not even a false nine. He said he's a real nine. So he's kind of even gone one step further. So even if he ends up playing, you know, in the sort of two roles behind a striker with Timo Werner up front, we know Timo Werner likes to come left. We know Havertz, some of his best attributes are the off the ball movement and arriving to finish things. So even if he doesn't actually start in that nine, although it sounds like he might, it's attractive. So I'm kind of torn between Chelsea attack and Chelsea defence. Do I go real safe in Rudiger or do I take a punt on Havertz? And I think given the fact that there's a fixture swing, the fact that Havertz has roughly one XG over the last two matches, really should have scored against Leeds. And we're probably all going to have some Leeds defenders. Maybe Lazbequeta is the best pick. If you're really looking for a differential, go for Havertz. Maybe you wait a week. But I think he possibly outscores, you know, someone who's got a fixture this week. If you want a bit safer, go for the defence. And that, my just proper hi- differential that pick highlights the awfulness of game week 29. To pick a differential, you're not even getting one that plays in game week 29. And you just go straight for game week 30. And I think that's what, certainly what I've got in the back of my mind. I'm thinking about game week 30 because game week 29, I just all want, like with game week 28, I just want to get through it. And then I want to get to these better picks like Leicester and Chelsea and, you know, proper players, not like Veltman or something like yeah. that. I mean, this is definitely a punt, right? But when I was looking at the fixtures and the players available, I think all of the players that were available to me, and hey, if I've missed someone, please shout at me and do better. But anyone who plays four fixtures in the next four is probably outscored by someone who plays three, like, you know, Dawson versus a Chelsea defender. So with that in mind, I thought, why not just go super punty? If Havertz goes and scores a brace in a couple of game weeks' time, I look clever, don't I? Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, I hope, hopefully that comes um, to fruition because these certainly players I'm targeting. So, um, yeah, go for, go for Chelsea. Um, okay, we, now let's have a look at our team reveal. So transfers and um, captaincy plans. And, and overarching all of this is Nuclear Atom's question of how many players should we get out and how many hits is it worth taking so this (laughs) shield your eyes guys and girls (laughs) here's my lot (laughs) so i've got jed steering goal who won't play um dallas concert and kufal at least they're all going to play um mitchell is there because he's going to become someone else probably cresswell i've got gunduan there um He's obviously not playing. Rafina, Son, who might not play. Calvert-Lewin, I'm going to bench. I want to keep Calvert-Lewin. Um, and Kane and Bamford. So Kane is going to be my captain. He is by far, as we've gone through all of the matches, all of the available players, he is by far the standout. Um, so he will be, you know, effective ownership, whatever. People can go for differentials. But I'm going to go for the, the, um, the age-old reason which player will score the most points and I think it will be Kane so I'm going to captain him and I'm a oh, very novel of you <laughs> my um, my targets are um, Cresswell and Lingard 
not Antonio. So I'm going to go in there with double West Ham defence. Kufal is, annoy is an annoyance, but I don't want to get rid of him. Um, but in an ideal world, I would just replace Kufal with Cresswell if I can afford it. Salah is the guy that's going to make way. Um, so I have two free transfers. So if Son and, um, uh, and Bamford are available with my two free transfers, I think I'll be getting to nine. If I wanted 10, I would take a hit. If I if those two aren't playing, I will end up with much less. <laughs> I'll end up with seven or eight players. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Um, and um, I think most people should be. I don't think it's worth hits too much. But nevertheless, I'm in a position to do a sort of mini wild card and I'll have the Salah money and I'll have game with 30 in mind. So my plan is, you know, Based, based on the fitness availability, either six or seven or, um, you know, seven, uh, um, nine or ten, if I can. For my hit, I if Son or Bamford aren't available, um, I, I can't think of anyone I really want. If Callum Wilson's available, I'll just do get that. But Son, I guess Son out to someone like a Bamiang, maybe, for a hit. But I'm not going to take a hit on Veltman. I'm not going to take a hit on Dan Byrne or Joe Ellington. I mean, I'm not going to... I'm not... And even Madger, I'm not going to take a hit for these players. But I would for someone like a Bamian because you're talking about floors and ceilings. But that's me. You know, it's... You know, I just want to get through it. And hopefully... Hopefully my mixture of swords and shields will get me through it and get me into Game Week 30 when hopefully um, I can do a bit better. <laughs> um, Seb, let's move on to your side you got um oh, it's much better than mine you've got martinez ailing um bale son rafina watkins and bamford um and you've got two free transfers is that right and yep, a free absolutely. hit potentially yeah so, indeed so so how many is that could you get with your two free transfers seven if everyone is fit so obviously the two free transfers yeah. will take me up but realistically i'm probably you know son and bamford i'm probably going to have to lose one of them uh in terms of i probably won't have everyone fit i'm happy just to take this one on the chin i will probably use my i mean I, the thing i don't have is kane right yeah. so i'm probably going to use my two free transfers to get kane i sacrifice probably ricardo pereira looking at how my team would play out in the future i do like Leicester. i'd like them back but in the next few fixtures the rest of the team plays maybe luke Ellen goes on the bench so I would probably bring in Kane for either DCL or Bamford. That's going to depend on fitness. And I know you mentioned you want to keep DCL. I agree with you. If Bamford is fit, I probably would have to lose DCL, though. Yeah. If not, it's the other way around. And then I just move a defender down to what I can afford. That might end up being a Veltman. Maybe I'll get a bit lucky and be able to get a West Ham defender. And then, yeah, look back at it again next week. Take my 25 points and move on. So, yeah, so similar sort of uh, numbers there we're talking. You know, quite happy to go into this with seven or so players, seven or eight, yeah. six, whatever. You know, I don't think there's anyone. Maybe Aubameyang, but he doesn't yeah. I mean, if I'm going to take There's the, no one there that scares me. Yeah, Bale, Aubameyang. I mean, this uh, Lingard, Cresswell. It's, it's that Arsenal-West Ham game I'm looking at. And because the players have reasonable... Well, Arsenal and West Ham, they've got reasonable fixtures afterwards. So I'm looking at game week 30 as well. I don't mind getting them in, but um, yeah. If there were no if there were no injuries, I may have gone Antonio originally, and I may have been happy with yeah. having Bale and Son versus other people's Kane. But if Son is now out, if Bamford is out, I think that probably just pushed me towards. Yeah, Kane. if if Bamford's out, then I've got a decision, which is basically Cresswell or Antonio, 
And whilst Cresswell is much more boring, um, the fact is he's still getting loads more points um, because he's got that range of points that he can get. And he is their most creative player. I, I kept mentioning Cresswell last season and I was laughed at in the chat as well about him being boring. But the thing is, he, he's the top scoring defender in the game. You know, cannot be ignored. Um, and it's almost all set pieces as well, yeah. which is like, I don't think an individual set piece goal is necessarily that predictable. But over a period of time, they probably fit quite nicely to a model. So if Cresswell keeps taking them, if Suchek and Antonio and Dawson keep being attacking from them, you probably can pick him, leave him there and expect a certain number of points over a period of time. Um, yeah, just uh, there was a couple of comments in the live chat um, saying that I've got my what have I got my wild card left? Yes, I, I do. So that's why I'm, you know, quite happy to dead end with dead ending with Jesse Lingard or dead ending with uh, with Callum Wilson or whoever. I want to um, see that on Instagram TV. I want to <laughs> yeah, see that next season. Yeah, that'll be uh, me and Jesse there. Um and so moving on to your side, David, so you're you're one of those people. I, I can't remember what the word is for them. Um, but I don't you, think we're allowed to say it. We're not allowed <laughs> yeah, to say I, that. I, I, know, I know what the word is. I'll tell you after. So um, on your bench, on your bench yeah. is uh, Target, <laughs> Watkins and Bamford and Areola. Um, and elsewhere, you've got Bale, um, Dallas. I'm trying to search for players that are playing. So, uh, he's only, he's only Dallas, done this to just trying to wind you up. You. Anguisa, I'm just trying to wind you up. Uh, Bale, Dallas and I am Greaser and those four. So you've got um, one, two, seven. three, seven. And you've seven. got two free transfers. I've got two free transfers, yeah. So you yeah. can go so with if nine, I take a, Yeah, I'm looking at doing a minus four to get me 10 players. Um, I, if I was having a better season, I'd probably settle for two free transfers and go in with nine. But I just feel like I need to claw back a bit of, um, you know, a bit of rank because I'm 380k. And uh, yeah. I just, I just, I'm happy to take that minus four. I definitely subscribe to the idea that if you, as long as you're taking a minus four to get in someone you still think can do well in this game week, at the very least, it's less of a minus four and more of a minus two if you're changing a player who doesn't play and replacing them with one who does. In terms of the moves that I am looking at, um, yeah, it's um, I need to get Kane, obviously, uh, big absence from my squad. And until Bamford was injured, uh, Calvert Lewin was my my route towards that. Um, uh, if Bamford is confirmed injured so it's just opened up in my mind the possibility that I could use Bamford to get to Kane if I wanted to hold DCL for the fixture afterwards because I just need more information on Bamford really but it'll be one of those two to get Kane Uh, I'll be selling Salah to get Jesse Lingard and I could leave it at that I could leave it at that. Um, as as Matt, the thing I, is, I, I never thought that a sentence would be said. I'm selling Salah <laughs> to get Jesse Lingard, and it makes sense. Yeah, that man, way. that's that's the way to go. So, um, <laughs> I, I mean, he's not playing, is he, Salah? And I think, as I said, like I've already waxed lyrical about Jesse Lingard, so I've got to back myself really. Um, as, he's probably been my vice captain, to be honest. Uh, I've just the reason that the captaincy's on bail is just to remind me that when I get Kane, he'll be the captain. So, um, yeah. Um, and then the only move that I'm thinking about is Cancelo to Veltman. So if you're thinking about unlikely transfers for a season, um, then there's my other one. So um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm, com- I'm not completely decided because, you know, there's two ways of looking at it. Either I use my two free transfers to get Veltman and Lingard in for uh, Cancelo and Salah and I take a minus four to get Kane or I do those other moves and I'm taking a minus four to get a Brighton defender and then we really yeah. are through the looking glass. So they're the moves I'm thinking about. I can't really see myself um, shifting from that too much. The reason why, I suppose I'll just explain why I wouldn't sell Maguire or Shaw to get a Brighton defender and why I would prefer to sell Cancelo is Shaw and Maguire are nailed on. Cancelo isn't. 
And of course, if you compare game week 30 fixtures, um, Man City are away at Leicester in a game I can't confirm Cancelo will or will not play. Whereas Shaw and Maguire surely will both start and they play Brighton in game week 30. So I'm keeping my options open in terms of when I play my wild card. I'd like to play it in game week 30 because I'm just sick of my team. But I do appreciate that 31 might be the better time to play it just in terms of that's when the fixture swing starts. So, um, yeah, holding my Man United double up in defence is probably sensible. OK, um, before we go, just want to remind people of the members area. Lots of tons of Opta-driven data there, like the comparison tool, rate my team, those types of things. And, of course, the goals imminent table. Um, and all those expected goal, expected goal prevented, all of those types of stats are all there. And you can make your own tables as well. Um, but in the meantime, it's a goodbye from me. A goodbye from me. And a goodbye from me. Goodbye, all.